Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Rachel Myro in for Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, have you noticed how location sharing has become totally normalized? The feature is faster than a text when you're trying to meet up someplace crowded. Location sharing can even be life-saving on occasion. But other than your parents or your partner, who do you really want to know where you are all the time for the rest of time? And if your friends are parting without you, do you really? want to know. When does looking at a friend's bubble constitute stalking or a mental health risk? It's so hashtag complicated. All of that's next after this news. This is Forum. I'm Rachel Myro in for Mina Kim. Believe it or not, location sharing as a thing has been around for more than a decade. Apple released Find My Friends in 2011. Then in 2015, Find My Friends came automatically installed on iPhones. In 2017, Google rolled out location sharing on its Maps function, and Snapchat launched SnapMap. Last year, a Harris poll found 79% of U.S. adults activated location sharing in some form or fashion. But is it really another type of social networking? Just. Just because we've all resigned ourselves to helicopter parenting and the ad surveillance economy doesn't mean it's healthy to keep one eyeball fixed on friends and family several times a day. Or am I wrong? And our panel of guests this hour need to school me on changing social norms. Well, in truth, nobody's really an expert. So here at Forum, we want to hear your story right up at the top of the hour. Let's let's do a call out. Pick up your phone and join the conversation. Uh, and so let me give you the number right now. 866-733-6786. You don't have to turn off uh, location sharing to join this conversation. 866-733-6786. If you're a Gen Xer, you could email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. And of course, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. So With that, I will get on to our guests. We have here in studio Josh Bote, tech editor of SFGate and a KQED veteran from back in the day. What a pleasure to see you again. Lovely to see you, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, we've got uh, Julie Jargon, family and tech columnist for The Wall Street Journal. Her recent pieces include, Is It Okay to Track Your Spouse's Location? And Why Teens Say Location Sharing is the Greatest and the Worst. Hi, Julie. Hi, Rachel. Finally, uh, Rebecca Jennings, senior correspondent covering social platforms and creator economy. The Goods by Vox. Jennings wrote the recent piece, 
should we know where our friends are at all times? So uh, let's ask everybody right now. Rebecca, why don't you start us off? Um, How many people are you following personally and how many people track you back? Um, so I follow about 10 people and pretty much that's all mutual. Yeah, I can see their location and they can see mine and they're all friends. Uh, most of us live in the same city. We live in New York. And so often we just use it to see like, okay, if I'm in a new neighborhood, like maybe someone's around and we can meet up. So that's typically how we use it. All right, Julie. I don't follow anyone's location and no one follows mine. (laughs) That's, that's me. That's me as well. Uh, uh, Joshua. Yeah, I'm similar to Rebecca, 10, 15 people. They're all almost exclusively mutual. Um, And yeah, similar purpose, right? Like we're seeing each other in the same neighborhoods or if I want to hang out with somebody and they're in my vicinity and I'm just at home sitting, then I might as well just reach out to somebody be like, you're in my area. Let's hang out. (laughs) So it it all seems very rational. Uh, I'm still not convinced. I'm still not convinced. Well, we've already got the phone calls uh, coming on in. So why don't we go to one right away? Sparrow in San Francisco. Thank you for joining us, Sparrow. Hi, good morning. I really appreciate this, this topic. Um, basically, I have my, I, my family and myself, we all share our Google location with one another. Um, it just really makes me feel like I'm more connected to my family and it just I feel safer with it on. And that like, especially for my daughter, who's a teenager, it just it makes it, it makes us aware of where everyone is. And the only downside that I could say is that it drains the battery faster than I would like. And just overall, it's it's for me, like, I don't feel like it's an invasion of my privacy. And I I'm consider myself to be a pretty liberal person. So I, I use the tool and I'm a, and an, I and I'm an advocate for it. So, yeah, I feel I feel like it increases my safety and my connection with my family. Now, when you say teenager, how old is your teen? She is 16. She is 16. And she still lets you track her. I mean, I I know a lot of parents who say that, you know, as as soon as their teens could make an argument for it, they were like, Mom, Dad, I I don't want you tracking me anymore. Well, I would say this is that if if she's supposed to share my location, her location with me, I share mine with her. And like, it's just about a dialogue of conversation about trust. And, you know, like, it, it hasn't been an issue for my particular team, but every parenting situation is different. And that's just, that's our family policy. We just all do it. And so it's kind of our family norm. Uh, Julie, what do you make of Sparrow's story? Is she, is she the norm? Is, uh, is the story different? And in what ways uh, for families across the country? I think a lot of families are exactly like Sparrow and they follow their their kids and share their locations with their kids as well. And I totally understand why parents want to do this. Um, I I don't do this. I know that as a teenager, I would not have wanted my parents to know where I was at all times. Yes, I was a bit of a sneaky teen. Um, my, My kids are not yet old enough where I would need to do that. So I might change my mind as they get older, but I really want to give them the freedom to be able to be teens without feeling like they're constantly under surveillance by myself or my husband. There is that question, Rebecca, you know, just because you can, should you? Totally. And I think there's a lot of kind of thorny social dynamics. My story wasn't on, you know, the parent and teen relationship, because I think that's like a separate thing. I think what's interesting is when friends are sharing locations with each other, like, 
there is a certain level of like, is it creepy if I show up to this place that I know that they're at? Or is it creepy if I acknowledge that like, I was looking at your location and I know where you are. And there's also the questions of like how awkward it is when you ask someone to share your location or when you stop sharing your location with someone. That was a huge topic that came up among the young people. And and obviously this is a bigger thing among, I would say, Gen Z. And I would say the older the older people that I talk to, they're horrified by this practice, whereas younger people are so used to it because when they were teenagers, they probably had their parents tracking them. So it's a very much a cultural thing. It's an age thing. And it's also now one of these little social questions that we have to ask ourselves. Joshua, do you think uh, it, it's an age thing? I mean, I mean, we saw that Harris poll said 79% of U.S. adults. So it's clearly, I mean, you know, older folks are using it. Right. It's definitely more normalized among, you know, Gen Z, millennial types. But I do see the argument, right, that for parents and children, like I've, my mom is a helicopter parent. Even now, she'll still text me like, hey, where are you? Please go home soon, which is very funny and very adorable. But it is right. Like, I think just idea that we can see where everyone is at all times is something that younger people were born into and something that, you know, surveillance is something that young people are unfortunately more accustomed to than older generations. Um so I think that there is more buy-in or that there needs to be more buy-in or that like the buy-in is harder, like for Gen Xers, even older millennial types. Right. If, if we didn't grow up with, with our parents knowing where we were at all times, we wouldn't, we have mixed feelings about doing the same, you know, to our own children. Uh, that was a great uh, story. Thanks for sharing, Sparrow. Let's go to another call. Will in San Francisco. Hi, Will. Hi, uh, good morning. Um, I'm a Gen Xer, but we have a couple millennials who live above us, and they were always complaining about our kids making too much noise, so we would text them and say, hey, are you around? And finally they said, look, we're just going to location share with uh, with you, and then you'll know, and you don't have to bother us all the time. <laughs> and that's worked out really well, and it's pretty entertaining. Every now and then I look and see where they are, and they're traveling all over the world, and I say, hey, boys, you can go crazy now because uh, they're not around. It, it is kind of like a shortcut. Uh, you don't have to have the conversation. You just know. But but I, I suppose in, in a way, I, have you offered that intelligence uh, in response to, to your neighbors? No, I have no interest in them knowing where I am. <laughs> there, there is this question, I suppose, uh, Rebecca, you know, like like reciprocity. Um, you know, to, to what extent uh, are, are, do people really feel like it has to go both ways or they're not comfortable with it. Totally. I think that's such a big thing. And also I'm obsessed with that story. That's so funny. Um, I love, that's, that's ingenious. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's this idea that like location sharing has to be two ways or else it's kind of weird, whether it's like, why are you keeping tabs on me? You're not my mom, et cetera. Um, whereas I think typically when you start sharing locations with someone, at least for, you know, people that are just friends, it'll be like, okay, I'm at this concert or I'm at this park. Here's my location so that you have it so that you can meet up with me. It's a very like functional technology. But then when you're given the option, when you location share with someone, you're given the option of whether to share with one hour, share with till the end of the day or to share indefinitely. And some people that I talked to said that they felt it would be like kind of aggressive if they only shared for one hour or one day, because it's like, what do they not want you to know? And so there's this <laughs> kind of like this whole etiquette thing now with with uh, location sharing that is, we're still figuring out, I think. You, you know, I, nobody's ever complained to me that I, I keep my Venmo private, you know, like like 
I don't think anyone should need to know. It's a need to know basis. That's, you know, like <laughs> the, the information I share. Uh, you know, Julia, are people judging me? <laughs> I don't think anyone's judging you. I mean, if no one has specifically asked you to share your Venmo um, information or your location, then you're fine. No one's ever asked me um, either to share any anything. And um, I'm I'm all for privacy. So uh, I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting some comments in. A listener writes, when this technology first came out a few years ago, my husband suggested that we share our locations with one another. I looked at him like he had three heads and <laughs> said, absolutely not. I had nothing to hide, but I thought it was so weird to have my location known 24-7. Now, years later, I have come around to the value of knowing where my kids are when they are traveling. But as a family, we don't use it that often. Another listener uh, tweets, I absolutely do not share my location with people. Media companies and the government want this information. Uh, Sorry to say, listener, they already have it. (laughs) I've used it while driving, sending location to someone expecting my arrival Otherwise, no. So it's interesting, even from people who uh, seem to have pretty strong feelings against location sharing, they do see its utility and use it uh, in uh, limited case scenarios. Another listener tweets, I ran into road construction while traveling in an area with no cell service and appeared to my wife's find my friends as though I had stopped in a stream. We're going to continue with that later. I can hear we're coming up on a break. So I want you to Call in, write in, tweet in, share your story. Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. But whatever you do, stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro in for Mina Kim, and we are talking about location sharing. Love it, hate it, use it when. 
tell us what your story is, uh, call us at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. We're at KQED Forum on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, ready to receive your information now. My uh, next question for our star panel of guests, including Rebecca Jennings of uh, Vox, Julie Jargon at the Wall Street Journal, and Joshua Bote, tech editor at SFGate, is uh, let's talk about FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, this is this is perhaps a, a bigger issue for, for younger people who are more sophisticated in their use of location sharing and can tell when everybody's at a party, but they are not. Um, Joshua, have you ever had this experience personally? Do you know people who have? I have had this experience personally where a bunch of my friends are at somebody's house and they're probably hanging out, watching a movie, partying without me. And, you know, it it does feel, you do feel that sting, but it doesn't feel entirely dissimilar to, it doesn't feel that much different than, like, seeing an Instagram story from your friends where they're all at some club or at some party. It's another form of, you know, you sort of just have to emotionally self-regulate and get used to the idea that people might not hang out with you, and that's okay, and it'll be next time. It's an opportunity to cultivate maturity. Absolutely, it is. That's sort of, what I think. Yeah, a spiritual wisdom. I, you know, do you think that, uh, Rebecca? I mean, I, I suppose, yeah. I, I have noted sometimes when you know somebody from out of town comes into town, and I see the, I see the photos of them having a good time with maybe even mutual friends, and I just have to breathe deeply, count to ten, and accept. Yeah, totally, totally. And I definitely talked to one person who had this happen. Not only did she see, not only did she not see that the person uh, that she, a friend of hers was in town, but she saw that the the person had stopped sharing location with her before she went into town and then stopped her watching the Instagram story. So she hid that viewer from her Instagram stories. And that was sort of her way of kind of like soft ending the relationship with the friend. And I thought that was so sad. Uh, but yeah, I can, I can absolutely imagine, you know, being a teenager, as as Julie wrote about in her story, and seeing all your friends are at one place and you're not, that that can be like really hurtful. Um, but unfortunately, like these kind of things happen whether we location share or not. It's just that the location sharing like really puts it to the forefront of your mind and you're just like, oh, this is happening right now and I'm not included. And so I see that that could be really hurtful. Any thoughts, Julie? Yeah, I spoke with a number of teens who said that unlike maybe seeing an Instagram post after the fact or hearing about a party on Monday that happened over the weekend, seeing your friends in real time gathered somewhere, having fun without you um, is really hurtful. And um, some of the teens I talked to said that they they ruminate and then they can't look away. They can't just set their phone down and, you know, maybe they they, they stop watching that Instagram reel or whatever. They're, they're looking and they're constantly checking where are my friends now? Where are they going next? And they're, they're at home alone on a Saturday night and they're feeling really badly about themselves. So um, I think it is really detrimental to teenagers, especially. Do you think this is a learning opportunity? Some people might call it uh, that, or 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 do mental health professionals uh, say, you know, uh, this is actually a good opportunity to to turn the phone off, to to learn how to decouple from from this constant, steady stream of information about people you know. Yeah, I think it can be a learning opportunity. Certainly, exclusion is just part of growing up. Uh, We experience it as adults as well. Uh, You have to kind of learn to cope with these things. But I think 
a lot of young people are really struggling right now with isolation, um, kind of this post-pandemic situation of um, having been on, on devices all the time and coming out of that period is really hard for some kids. So, you know, it's, it's about building resilience. Um, and it's, it's easy, I think, for us as adults to say, just put the phone down, look away. Um, I, I think that's really hard for teens. It takes a certain level of self-awareness to be able to do that. Yeah, the frontal lobes of your brain haven't fully, fully formed or hardened yet. Uh, you know, I, when we I went into the last break, I was midway through a listener tweet that I'm going to uh, complete now. Uh, this person says, I, I ran into road construction while traveling in an area with no cell service and appeared to my wife's find my friends as though I had stopped in a stream. So while I waited for the construction to let me by, my wife got the local sheriff to come and investigate. Another listener tweets, I'm proudly Gen X. There is magic in meeting by chance, spontaneous encounters, and the silence outside or engagement with strangers without social media, AI, dominating how people go about living. Uh, sounds quaint, and I totally, totally identify with that remark. Uh, let's go to the phones again, and Steve in Mill Valley. Hi, Hi Steve. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I see that I, I don't really care for it. But I only use it unless I'm traveling in places where I'm not familiar with. And I will let everybody else, like my significant other or my daughter, they all know exactly where I am. So just in case something happens, they all know where I am. And I think it's great because I think nowadays with all the cars that should have them, I think all cars should have them. And it, should, or pop, it shouldn't have to stay on all the time. But the moment an accident happens, it should pop on right away. So they all know that an accident occurred, and they know your exact location. So if you need that help, someone can be there immediately. So Joshua... To me, the only need for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that, Steve. I, what he's describing there, Joshua, it, it seems like there's a breakdown between people who use location sharing for utility and people who use it for intimacy. Yeah, I, I yeah, right. There's the sort of, like, the one camp that uses it for loved ones and family and, you know, parents and children. And then there's the other side that I think, especially among younger people who use it for, you know, like your, you and your best friends are just knowing where each other is at all times. And I personally use it in the latter camp. I find that it's like a nice little leveling up of your friendship. Like we are so close that we know where each other is at all times. And that's a little bit dystopian. I'm fully aware of that, but it's, it's, it's a little bit sweet, I think. Um, and you know, to the subject of spontaneity, like to the, I almost think that it does help heighten that level of spontaneity because I've had it before where a friend will be like, I'm literally at a bar next to you. Can I see you? And it was a lovely spontaneous chance meeting that would not have happened without Find My Friends. You know, that is true. I, I remember once many years ago, I was in Chicago and, you know, happened to post that I was in Chicago on Facebook and somebody, you know, pinged me on Messenger and said, hey, you know, I, I'm free. Let, let's meet for dinner. Uh, and it was just this delightful, spontaneous thing that would not have happened if I hadn't, in a sense, shared my location uh, with a, a, a wide social circle. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even realize this friend was living in Chicago. <laughs> So it, you know, it it uh, there is that kind of thing that uh, uh, 
sort of has the capacity to to enrich our friendships, enrich our relationships. Um, why don't we add to uh, this panel of uh, illustrious guests we have with us now, Mahi uh, Jariwala, junior at Monte Vista High School and a member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board. Mahi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. So, so tell me a little bit. Uh, well, uh, first, I'll ask that that question I've been asking everybody: How many people do you share your location with? How many people are you tracking? I take three people with me everywhere. Um, on my location, I have my mom, my dad, and my sister on there. So, primarily for you, it it, it sounds like something you're using for utility as opposed to intimacy. Yeah, definitely. I think especially, you know, just wherever you go, you never really know what can happen in any given situation. And I feel like it almost gives me a sense of safety of like, there's three people that know exactly where I'm at at all times. And if anything happens to me, they know where I am. You know, Mahi, we've been hearing a lot of people uh, say uh, that location sharing uh, to a wider circle of friends is a thing that younger people do because older people are like, what? No, <laughs> only on a need-to-know basis. But but do you think there's a kind of backlash among teenagers who who are are feeling like, you know, it's a little bit TMI. I don't I don't feel the need to share what I'm at, where I'm at with everybody. I feel like I'm definitely more on that side. Um, I know a lot of my friends do share locations. I think that like one of the biggest ways that people share it with is like through Snapchat. Um, I'm not a user of that platform, but I know that there basically is something where something called Snap Maps. And it's basically where you can see if you turn on your Snap Map, you can see almost everyone. It's kind of has like a little globe and you can see where everyone else is. So I know a lot of people use that. That's pretty common. And I do know a lot of friends that like choose not to do it just like me, because I think it's just a little bit odd to have people know where you are at all times. Um, And not that I have even anything to hide from even like my closest friends. I just think that it's a little bit odd to have them knowing where you are. And I think that there also is like the opportunity, like you talked about how you kind of like put that on Facebook and someone went and like came and found you. I think that there is that sense of like, if you do want to share where you are, you can post about it on social media. I just think that I don't think that like if I go to the grocery store, everyone needs to know about it. You know, you know, this raises a really good question. Uh, Rebecca, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, for for parents, there's that, you know, security, uh, emotional security, just knowing where your children are at all times. Uh, but for for women, especially, um, you know, it can uh, add a layer of vulnerability if you're uh, either dealing with a, a partner or an ex uh, who, who uh, you know, has taken to stalking you or is trying to exert some kind of control over you. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that, you know, every woman I've spoken to obviously, you know, points out that it can make you feel a lot safer when you're either solo traveling or you're on a date with a stranger, maybe. Um, but I have also talked to people who would not share their location with friends because they're afraid of what would happen if the relationship goes sour, or maybe they forgot that they were sharing location with someone. And then that person sh- like showed you know, someone who wishes them ill uh, where they were. And I did talk to one woman who said uh, she dated an ex who, you know, convinced her to share her location with her. And she found out later that it was because he had a girlfriend and he also tracked the girlfriend's location to make sure that they never overlapped. And it took her years to realize that that's what he was doing. And so, yeah, like there's, you know, there's it's easy to imagine, you know, 
pretty scary situations in which someone is being, you know, abused at home and they're being tracked and that could lead them into danger. And so, yeah, just like any, every, any like technological update, there's some concern and some, some things that could be, you know, scary for, for women, especially. I imagine, too, you know, this reminds me of the of the current debate over Apple tags, Joshua, you know, like that there are people out there who will tag uh, an ex's, you know, car uh, just to make sure that they can stay in touch with where that person is. Um, it, it, you know, sometimes it's just creepy. Sometimes it's more than that. Right. There's, you know, there's so many stories of people who like of women, especially who have like who get the notification on their phones that like. Apple, the there's an air tag in their vicinity that isn't connected to their account, and there is that real anxiety and that real fear, and you know, it is just one of those things that we have to be like. I think technology companies have to be very, very, very aware of, right? Like, I think Apple only announced the sort of feature that you know where the air tags are only after a lot of reports came out of stalking and other terrifying things, and. You know, we sort of have to preempt that tech companies have to be better about being aware of the possibilities that these technologies can be used for evil. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, you know, maybe like we were saying earlier that, you know, it's just incumbent on everybody to learn how to use the technology to protect themselves and also learn how to learn when not to use the technology. Uh, Well, we've got another friend on the line now. We've got uh, Julie Lithcott-Hames. How are you doing? Hey, Rachel. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, I'm here in Palo Alto. Love that you're doing this topic. Let me identify as a Gen Xer, just to state my (laughs) bias around this. Um, And as you know, and maybe some of your listeners know, I'm also the author of a book on the harm of overparenting. And that's really what I want to speak to right now. Obviously, location tracking is great for meeting up with friends. It has a real utility. But there is this dark side when it's used by parents who are fearful that my kid is not okay unless I can see where they are. Look, this is great if your kid is 5 or 8 or 12, but 18, 25, 29, psychologists are increasingly pointing to the mental health harm that accrues in people who are constantly watched or surveilled. I just encourage all of us parents to work on balancing our need for that feeling of security with the right of this other human, our child, our teen, our young adult, to privacy. I encourage us as parents, and I am a parent. I got a 24-year-old and a 21-year-old. We got to teach our kids to be smart and safe out in the world rather than feeling that they're only safe when we are watching. So Thanks. I'm I'm going to guess, Julie, if you haven't gotten off the line yet, I, I'm going to guess that you are not tracking your children. I am not tracking my children. I never have. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Julie. Uh, Julie, I, I, uh, what, 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 uh, when you talk to people who are, um, who are mental health professionals, are, are they split on this? Or, or do they, like uh, Julie Lithcott-Hames in Palo Alto, think it's not possible to be a, a, an independent adult uh, if your, your parents know where you are at all times? Yeah, I think, I think Julie is, is right. Um, the mental health professionals I've spoken with um, also agree that 
kids need to learn resilience and how to operate in the world without the false sense of security that um, as long as their parents are watching them, they're somehow safe. Um, you know, it, it does provide a, this false sense of security just because your parents see where you are doesn't mean that they can automatically keep you safe. I mean, you can still get in a car accident. Maybe they know sooner and they can get to you, but, but they can't keep you safe when you're not around them. So um, I think it impedes um, independence and the ability to grow up with some level of autonomy and privacy. Kids are going to screw up. They're going to make mistakes. Uh, and they need to be able to do that and learn from that rather than being kind of kept in this bubble. Um, otherwise, they're going to have a hard time getting used to adult life. This is, you know, spoken like a true Gen Xer, I realize, but um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's... sense you get kind of generational divide here. Yeah. Um, Andrew writes, I share my location with a few friends indefinitely, as well as my partner. I do think it can be sort of violating if you're always checking up on people. Just because you can open the app to see someone's location doesn't mean you should. I like to practice restraint and only check someone's location when it's useful, e.g., meeting up with them. MK writes, my wife's family, nine siblings, began location sharing with their mother after her husband, their dad, died. That daily tracking along with a group text called Granny Texters has helped keep her spirits up. Uh, I often tell her I appreciate knowing my fairy godmother is looking out for me from the traffic control tower, and she texts her calls anytime I'm near or in a hospital. Deborah tweets, if only more people practiced a bit more JOMO, the joy of missing out and what that can bring. Uh, let's go to the phones again. And Alex in Union City. Alexis, sorry. Yeah. Hi, Alexis. Hey. So I share my location with my best friend. Uh, her and I share locations. And I use it to see, like, if she's, I, I check it before I call to see if she's driving or if she's at home. And if she's at home, then I just FaceTime her. But if she's driving, then I'll just call her. <laughs> Another great story from Alexis in Union City. Thank you so much. Uh, you might still have a chance to join the conversation if you call us now at 866-733-6786. We are talking about location sharing. Uh, do you share your location with family, friends? Why or why not? Stay with us. You're listening to Forum, and I'm Rachel Myra. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myrowin for Mina Kim, and I am talking with an august panel of uh, experts on this question of location sharing, the joys, the fears, all of it. Uh, we've got Rebecca Jennings, a reporter at Vox. We've got Julie Jargon, family and tech columnist at The Wall Street Journal. We've got Joshua Botte, tech editor at SF Gate, and of course, Mahi Jariwala, junior at Monte Vista High School and member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board. Uh, Mahi, as you're as you're listening to these stories, do you think to yourself, you know, I I could expand my use of location sharing, or or are you thinking, you know, I am good where I am? I think listening to some of these stories, I'm definitely thinking that I'm good where I am. <laughs> um, I also think that like the parent perspective, both from Julie and from that call, um, was kind of the opposite of what I was expecting. I thought parents would be like, I want to hold on to my kids as long as possible. But I think it's so awesome that so many parents are cognizant of the fact that they do have to let their kids go and be independent, um, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joshua? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. Like my... Um, Last week, I got a text from my mom, and she was like, 11, it was at 11 p.m., and I was at a bar, and she was like, where are you? And I was like, I am out. And it is, right, like, there is this idea that we should be more independent. And, like, I, again, I was a rebellious teen. I definitely would not wa- have wanted to share my location with my mom. But now the older I get, the more I am sort of like, this is nice. I should just be accommodating and just let my mom know where I am, because it makes her less stressed out. I don't know. I... But I do see Julie's point, right? That like there are yeah there are developmental anxieties and developmental risks to being helicoptered all the time, and yeah, I definitely rebelled a lot as a result of that. It is an interesting question, right? Like like does loca- uh, following people's location, you know, especially family members or partners, you know, is is this something that uh, that is a relief to your anxiety, or does it just encourage your anxiety? If you indulge in it, does it make the anxiety worse? <laughs> that is the question. Um, Jamie writes, I'm a Gen Xer and recently divorced, never considered sharing location until I decided to break my first aid safety protocols and shared my location for the day with a friend in addition to giving info about my date. I felt safer in taking a calculated risk like riding in a date's car. A listener tweets, in my opinion, I think people uh, live their, think their lives are more exciting than they really are. Uh, me and my wife share our location, but maybe use that service a couple times a year. Most of the time it's at festivals to help find each other. Uh, Pam tweets, my in-laws live in Florida and my husband will use Find My Friends to know when both parents are home so we can call and reach them both at, the, at once since versus having to call them twice and repeat the conversation. I also use it to track my kids occasionally, even though they're 23 and 20. I worry about them. So, so you know, we're hearing we're hearing a lot of, of the same stories. It, it's it's easy to see the appeal of uh, indulging in it to salve your anxiety, but uh, it might also be stoking it. Uh, let's take another call. How about Moira in Oakland? Hi, Moira. Hi, how are you? Good, Hi. how are you? Good, good, good. I just had to add a perspective that sort of maybe ties some of these things together, just in that I think that, you know, this is a tool, right? And like any other power tool, really, you need some education to begin with. So I think the question of parenting, I think the question of keeping track of, which sounds like it's a very negative thing, keeping track of somebody, and then we add on at all times. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it necessarily opens that sort of door. Um, 
Am I right in thinking you've got two daughters in their 20s? uh, Do you track their location? Well, I didn't know this was possible, so I'm an expert. There you go. Um, the, and and yeah. the, some of this may be explained by the three of us are all cuspers. So I have two daughters, 125, 127, and they're in different generations, formal generations, and I'm right on the cusp, but I'm definitely an ex. Yeah. Um, and they suggested it, right? So they came to me and said, hey, there's this thing, and maybe if we just knew you know, where the other was. I don't remember what the prompting was. But so we have it. I know it's on my phone. I don't check it very often. I mean, we do it when somebody goes to the airport, maybe, Um, you know, but they thought it would be a good idea. I use it, frankly, the same technology to find my phone more than my daughter's. (laughs) (laughs) Right. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, it just feels like even this question of parenting, well, that comes way before. Right. Parents understand that they that they need to let their kids go. Kids, you know, the young man just said, I know I should be more independent, even though I was rebellious. Well, You know, the idea of letting your kids go is much, much bigger than whether you have this tool on your phone and the question of whether you're doing a fear of missing out problem. That's not the technology. That's a much bigger problem related to, you know, how people use these cell phones, how they use, you know, um, uh, social media, not whether they use this one function, I think, on their phone. Well, thank you for sharing that perspective, Moira. Edie writes, I was all against location tracking until the air tag I had put on my dog fell off in my brother's car. A few weeks ago, his car was stolen, and he called me asking if I still had a signal from that air tag. I was able to track the car in real time and gave the info to the police. The car was recovered within 90 minutes of being stolen, and an arrest was made. I'm sure the thief has no idea to this day how the police caught him so fast. Uh, you know, I have to say, uh, Joshua, I, I, I totally personally relate. Uh, I uh, I was skeptical about air tags, and then um, a, a piece of luggage was stolen from me, and now I have air tags everywhere. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love my air tags. I have, I got four of them as a gift, and I use them everywhere. Um, the, the feature that, like, lets you ping where they are, I'm a person who leaves my wallet and my keys all over the house, and it, like, emits a little noise wherever it is, and I can just find it anywhere. And that's another form of location tracking that I think is a dream come true for somebody who misplaces things all the time. Uh, well, you know, I, I guess as we start to, to round the bend towards the end of the hour, I, I do want to ask all of our guests about this larger question of expectation of privacy. You know, it, is it that uh, we, we've heard this actually now for maybe two decades, privacy is dead. <laughs> there is no privacy. Um, do you think that's true, Rebecca? Is, is that, a, you know, a fair assumption or or? Do we need to think in a more nuanced fashion about it? No, I, I totally think that's that's part of the question. And I think what you said earlier about, you know, someone not wanting to share location because they were worried that, you know, corporations or the government has it like they already do. Like governments and, the corp- and corporations already use this data. They have this data. They have it without whether you turn on location sharing with your friends or not. And I personally, you know, think that it's 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 you know, it's perfectly fine for people to use the same technology that's being, you know, being taken from us and sold to whomever uh, and use it to keep track of our friends, In you know, as long as that's a mutually beneficial thing. And so, you know, when I started doing this story, I was 
convinced that, you know, I would talk to all these experts and people and find that location sharing was actually like really creepy and that I would feel, you know, so watched. And yet it it did kind of the opposite. I was just like, oh, I actually really like opening up my find my friends and seeing all my little bubbles and like just knowing <laughs> that they're there. It's fun. <laughs> it's sort of like reach, reaching down into your purse and just touching the phone or just touching yeah. your keys just to just to feel that sense of security. Uh, Julie, are, are you hearing anything this hour that would make you uh, change your your strong position against location sharing with friends? Uh, no, <laughs> um, I, I, I totally understand the convenience of it, the utility of it, and why people do it. And it's, obviously, it's totally fine if people are willingly engaging and it's with their friends and, and they're, you know, they're, they're able to opt out if they feel like it's no longer serving them. But I do feel like we are increasingly entering into sort of a larger surveillance type of state in which, you know, children are growing up being tracked to their babies from, you know, biometric baby monitors that their parents watch to track whether they're breathing at night to checking their grades online um, in real time to tracking them even when they go off to college on Life360, it's becoming normalized. And I think the concern there is, you know, is it is it normal to be tracked in one form or another all the time? And what does that do to a person's sense of self? Yeah. But what does it do to their their psychological development? Mahi, as you're listening to this, uh, you know, obviously not you, you've, you've taken a strong stand, but but are, are you thinking of any friends you have at Monte Vista High School where you think, wow, that that person, they're always second guessing themselves. They're they're always sort of aware that that others are hovering, you know, behind their shoulder. I do think that some of my friends like have gone through that and there are times where maybe I'll hang out with someone and they'll be like, oh, well, we're supposed to hang out with someone else today. And if they see like that, I'm, you know, at the mall with you, like they might be like, why are you there? Um, so I do think that it can cause a little bit of like anxiety within people. And I think that in turn, like you talk about sort of like this idea of privacy and how it's kind of getting lost. I do think that obviously like governments and different companies are definitely always going to be looking at your location. But I also think that there's a sense of like, you know, um, a choice that you kind of get to make, right, of who you want to share that with. And I think that your privacy is kind of like up to the individual in a way, because you can choose who you share to share, who you want to share your location with. Let's take another call now. How about Meredith in Oakland? Hi, Meredith. Oh, what is it? I've already mentioned the Apple AirTag, but I recently put a collar and AirTag on my cat because he had disappeared for about three days and it was very traumatic. So now I can track him. And fortunately, he's not asking to track me. <laughs> the day he does, you're going to be very afraid. Thank I'll have you. to do it. He's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, cats are the boss. Thank you for sharing that, Meredith. Let's take another call. How about John in Rancho Cucamonga? Hi, John. Hey, um, my wife and I uh, have been sharing, since we got married, you know, we share a bank account, we share our calendar, which is really helpful. And now we have two teenage daughters. And so when my older daughter, who's 16, uh, said, oh, we should, she was sharing locations and she was tracking us, it seemed like a natural progression. Um, and now, actually yesterday, she's traveling abroad for the first time without her family. And so it was a great way to kind of see where she was without checking in on her and without having to text her or remind her, you know, that she's away from home and contributing to her home, like, you know, being homesick. So it's, I don't know, it seems, I guess it depends on the family dynamic, but it seemed like a natural progression and it really works well. 
Thank you so much for sharing that, John. I I guess, dear panel, we are hearing that uh, in some households, uh, uh, children and even pets are are sort of leading the way to encouraging use of location sharing. And maybe that's the more psychologically healthy way to go about it. But then we have a listener writing in as a Gen X mom to a millennial and a Gen Zer. It's been painful to watch how all these socials have impacted them. I witnessed my then 18-year-old daughter discovering via Snapchat that her ex had traveled hundreds of miles to visit a new girl during the lockdown, and she was devastated. Who needs to learn that while sent home during your freshman year? Uh, So, yeah, uh, pros and cons, pros and cons. I I guess I should ask all four of you, uh, (laughs) feel free to chime in if this is true for you. Has, Has anything you've heard this hour changed the way you feel about the way you use location sharing? Silence. <laughs> I feel like it's, yeah. I never really thought of like the idea of invading privacy in any way. I think that when I share it with my parents, I mean, I think me and my sister's off in college and I think it's great because we can see if she's in her dorm and if we can call her or not. Um, but I never really thought of it as a way of them kind of like holding on to us in any way, shape or form. But I think now I'm sort of like opening my my eyes to the possibility of that happening and how it's like important that you know, you you draw these boundaries with people of, of how you use these apps. Yeah, I guess it's about boundary drawing. Joshua, I see you nodding. Yeah, I um, the Snap Map story that um, you just recounted was devastating, right? Like the way the way that I use it is you have to opt in, you have to get the mutual consent from your friends that you have to use it. But Snap Map, it seems, is you, by downloading Snapchat, you're using this map, and you can see where all these people are, like people you've met one time and people who you've known all your life. And that feels like too much, right? Like that is the one thing where I've been swayed a little bit to be like, maybe I should know less about these people. <laughs> uh, well, there is that question too, right? Like like how many people can anybody reasonably uh, remain intimate with? Um, you know, and, I, and I, I don't mean in a romantic way, but, you know, like it, if you're if you're always connected to your hive mind, so to speak, uh, you know, how much time are you leaving yourself for for dream time, for inspiration time, for me time, as you know, as the saying goes. Right. It's, you know, you, like it's sort of like how, you know, Twitter, you're seeing tens of thousands of people's different thoughts. You're not supposed to know that many things. You're not supposed to be exposed to that many contrasting viewpoints. And just it boggles the mind, right? Like it does take away from being imaginative. And that is a very good point. Well, I, I, I guess my last question, uh, and, you know, why don't we start with you, Julie, um, is where do you see this going? Where, where is our culture going <laughs> with location tracking in, in the next couple of years? Well, I think it has become normalized because a whole generation now of kids have grown up being tracked by their parents. So I don't see this as going away. Um, but I do wonder if um, people like, you know, like what Mahi was speaking to, if there might be some sort of a backlash among younger kids saying, you know, enough is enough. Um, we don't want to do this. We've seen how this plays out. Um, I think that remains to be seen. It'll be interesting to see if younger people just kind of try to draw the line a little bit more. Rebecca, any thoughts? 
Yeah, I actually spoke to an academic who is currently doing a study on Columbia University students who share their location. And she compared location sharing or the backlash to location sharing as like people who refused to buy cell phones in the 90s and early 2000s. Like she said, like, she doesn't think it's going to go away and it's only going to be more common. And that, you know, in order to deal with that, like just change of life, we're just going to have to be more honest with each other. And, you know, I think there's there's good and bad to that. But, but I think like similar to what we've been talking about this whole time, like I'm okay with, you know, location sharing with my friends because you know, I don't check it obsessively. I know no one is checking in on me obsessively. We have that <laughs> well, kind think of like, so. <laughs> I mean, if they, if they did though, it's like all they're seeing is me in my apartment. Like, you know, it's like, they can't literally see me. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not super bothered by it, but, but obviously, you know, these things in the hands of human beings are very fallible as all human beings are. And everyone has a really, really, really different experience with them, with them and with relationships. And so just like everything else, this is a social adjustment that is going to be, you know, have positives and negatives. Mahi? Oh, I think she's already left us. Joshua. No, I'm sorry. There you are, Mahi. Go ahead. Sorry, what was the question? Oh, so where do you see this all going in the next year or two? I think that it's going to continue to get more normalized. And I think that more teens, especially as they start using more social media platforms, are just going to get more and more used to, you know, sharing their locations with people. Yeah, yeah. More and more used to it. Joshua, any thoughts? No, I I do sort of agree with Julie that there might be this pushback or backlash to it in the next year or two, you know, like, there's already kids who use flip phones and Europe has already passed all these privacy regulations for our cookies. Like I do think that the more cognizant we are that we're being watched, even in this sort of innocuous way, you know, I am a fan of it, but I do think that like more people will try to opt out and try to disengage from this constant surveillance because it shouldn't be normalized, right? Like I love it, but it shouldn't be normalized. I love it, but it shouldn't be normalized. Well, I I guess that is a good way to end this hour, this conversation we've all been having collectively about location sharing, the pros, the cons, the the good, the bad, the ugly, as it were. I want to thank all of our guests today, uh, Joshua Bote, tech editor at SFGate, Mahi Jariwala, junior at Monte Vista High School and a member of KQED's Youth Advisory Board, Julie Jargon, family and tech columnist at the Wall Street Journal and Rebecca Jennings, senior correspondent covering social platforms and the creator economy at Vox. What a pleasure it's been. And thank all of you, our our listeners who have been writing in and calling in this hour. It's been a fabulous conversation. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro in for Mina Kim. And be sure to tune in tomorrow for another great show on OWLS. Send me your location, let's find the vibrations I don't need. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. 
I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes on our watch season two. New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.